0: <laughs> oh, hello. Hi. Hi.
1: Good evening, all. So welcome to what I hope will be an insightful and lively conversation. Um, I'm just going to give introduce myself very briefly, and then I'll ask. My, the two wonderful people to my right to introduce themselves. Uh, my name's Louise Munike. I'm a lecturer um, in the English department at City University of London, and I've done a lot of work on, um, on Biafra, which is, I think, why I'm here.
2: Yeah, that yeah. was brief. That was brief. <laughs> that was brief. Um, um, okay, um, <laughs> I, I'm Inua, um, I, I wrote the play. Uh, yep, yeah, that's it.
0: Oh, wow. <laughs> Beat me. Modest. Um, I'm Nadia, Nadia Fall, and I directed the play. <laughs> also yep. brief.
1: So I've been able to see the play a couple of times already. Awesome. I'm going to see it my third time this evening. Tonight. Wow. So I've had plenty of time to digest and, um, and each, time I see, each time I've seen the play, you know, something new comes to light. So I thought maybe I'd start at the beginning and ask about the kind of processes. How did this play come into being? I mean, setting one of Chekhov's plays in Biafra isn't the most obvious choice.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: so how, how did this happen? Why are You've we here? You've got to start
0: because I'll, it yeah. already existed before I got on board, yeah. so... Yeah.
2: Um, I was approached to adapt a Chekhov play and I was given a range of his plays and I chose Three Sisters because I have three sisters. And I thought um, take the money and run and, <laughs> and, and if it gets difficult, just write about your sisters. Um, and then the question, the, the suggestion was either set it in Britain or, and set it during the Brixton riots yeah. or, or in another period of British history. But I thought, um, I'm not British. I'm Nigerian. I have a Nigerian passport. Um, I, I'm not Black British. I don't. I can't really write into that space. There are other really fantastic writers like Roy Williams who can do that far better than I. So don't do that. Just write about Nigeria. But also, whenever I go back to Nigeria, um, they call me um, Oyinbo boy. Or oh, the community <laughs> JJC, which means that they can tell I'm a foreigner from how I walk down the street. Really? Yes, it was really embarrassing. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, so I thought this, I can't write about contemporary Nigeria, so just transcend it in the past. Yeah. And that's when Biafra came came to mind, and it also meant that I could do lots of research that I like to do. And that's how it came together.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And <coughs> just thinking about what you said, you, know, you said, I'm, I'm not British, and um, obviously writing this play for the National Theatre, yeah. or f- for a British audience, yeah. and thinking about the conversations that have been happening in Britain and elsewhere around kind of nationhood and national identity. I wonder what's the significance of this play um, being staged now, or you producing this play now, and how what's been happening in the world may, may or may not have fed into
2: It definitely fed into the writing, and I can come back to that, but I just wondered what, what you think and how I was trying to direct it with all of those in mind.
0: Well, I just thought, you know, uh, you know, it, it's a seminal piece, Chekhov's Three Sisters. But I've got to be honest, and I wouldn't have wanted to direct a kind of um, just regurgitated. Oh God, regurgitate I've Lost it. the word of the original, and I just thought Inuwa's version just completely up the ante. Like the war is a character in itself. And I just felt that it was just a lot more visceral. The stakes were higher. There was high drama in it. And there was still all the psychology of the sisters and relationships. But suddenly it was a very, very compelling and dramatic uh, proposition. So I really loved the Mm. context of the Biafran War. And I'm not Nigerian. And I felt like, God, this was a huge responsibility. Because from all the Nigerian friends I've I've got, and also people that we were meeting to um, audition for the play, it was very, very apparent that this was a history that was so recent, the war was so um, undigested, the trauma of it, and the duty and responsibility of telling a story um, that is about people's parents and grandparents and the trauma of that was huge. Mm -hmm. And my only link to it was that my grandparents were actually in um, Lagos during the war because um, there was a big recruitment of Asian doctors at the time as the country was going from um, traditional medicine to Western medicine and they were on the Nigerian side and my grandmother's sister was on the Biafran side and their experiences were very, very Mm. different. So that was my only sort of um, family history in it, but I just felt that duty, and I know that Inua did as well, yeah. as a Hausa man, thinking, you know, how uh, are other people gonna, you know, say that he's representing um, Oweri or that part
2: of Nigeria. Mm. So. Yeah. Um, every, all of that was really poignant, and it really made our conversations really interesting in the rehearsal room and just talking about the play. But I think it was maybe in, there were seven drafts of the play, I think by the time we finished rehearsing, 7.5, and then what you see on stage is um, eight, I think is the eighth draft. Yeah, um, eight or nine, But yeah. around the sixth draft when, I, when I was, a, was when I realised that there was direct parallels between what was happening in Biafra and what was happening right now in the United Kingdom, mm-hmm. and direct parallels between um, General Ojoku and Boris Johnson. Both of them were educated in private school in Britain. Both of them believe in segregation, really, in, in, in the myth of, um, of a supremacy of nationhood, and both of them really um, um, used, so, um, not social media, but um, communication to communicate all of that feeling to their people and led them through this really difficult time to make really tough decisions. And it was a country splintering, as it seems. But in Biafra, whereas in, in the UK it was theoretical, in Biafra it was actual. In Biafra it just, it just led and completely exploded.
1: And just picking up on that conversation, you know, that both of you are having about engaging with this recent history mm-hmm. and, and knowing that there'll be people in the audience, you know, who who lived through this, I mm-hmm. mean, who were who survivors of this. Um, did that at all influence how you wrote this play and how you directed it? I mean, if 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 we'd sort of been hundred years into the future, mm. um, do you think, or, or if Biafra had been you know hundred or two hundred years past, and you know there were no sort of surviving um, people who experienced the war, do you think that would have made a difference, or or has it has it influenced how you have gone about this process?
2: Um, for, as a writer, um, everything that I wrote happened, and by that I mean, all everything that happens on each on the stage is what happened on those days in the war so I made sure that I was as factual as, as possible he was
0: forensic about yeah. that he was really yeah. really strict about that yeah. yeah so
2: I was out that that really drove me knowing that people would be here who might have been there mm-hmm. I made sure I, I told um, as close to the truth as possible
0: and I was like you know you want to engage people in a history that they might not really care about or know anything about you know but you'd but you've got to make people care and you've got to engage them without it being a history lesson and so that was really really tough because Mm. there were so many interesting facts that in earlier drafts we had plenty plenty of information But then I struggled as, well, why would people care? Where's the drama in that? You know, we're not doing a lecture about the Biafran War. So Mm. that was a real negotiation of what stays, what goes. And, you know, it's a play after all, but as you say, it's a real history. So that was quite a thing to learn and trial and error through the previews. And um, I just think also we had a company that were largely Nigerian, that we had um, Igbo members of the company that, you know, would weep about things and talk about things. And um, we've got, uh, in any was added characters um, to the play from the Chekhov original that aren't in the Chekhov original. And we have a kind of poetess um, storyteller that weaves through the play. I don't know whether people have seen it mm-hmm. and um, who is Ibo. So I think we did a lot to be as authentic as possible. And um, but then again, when you act war, if you know it's really tough to realize people living through things so we watch things like for summer and documentaries like that because war is war and children suffer and people are maimed and people are hungry and we and we did a lot of improvisation and it's a way I like to work that at the beginning you read a lot but also we do improvisations around the world of the play and what's going on. So the stakes are as high as they can be, because how do you, how do you act that tension of being in a, in a war and having loss and death around you without it being a cliche? So um, that was really, really tough. And we did some very um, difficult improvisations at the beginning of the process. Mm. I mean, that was
1: what, one of the things that fascinated me, because I'm not aware of um, any other play um, at least not in recent years, that has been set during the war, during mm. the Biafran War. And just thinking about, I mean, there's a lot of fiction written on it, but how that translates onto the stage. Mm. So maybe you could say a little bit about the process of translating this narrative that people who maybe are familiar with Nigerian literature would be aware of, um, and then, but then translating it onto the stage.
2: Um, I learned so much from Nadia, and that question always underpinned all our conversations. This is interesting. This is fascinating history. How can it be dramatic? Like, what is, what is, what is, what is pushing people through this? What are their deep motivations? And how can we bring that to the surface? So, um, and, and I think. Chekhov's play um, was very cerebral, lots of conversations, lots of philosophy, and I really really enjoyed that after the third or fourth reading of the play, but I thought um, there are aspects of these that are deeply Nigerians, but aspect of it that isn't. What seed can I keep true here and transpose, and how can it germinate? And those are the conversations that we kept on having in in the reading and rereading of the play, in the suggestions of taking some lines out, adding some lines here or there,
0: And I think that was what was so rigorous and not always easy. Like we were in the trenches, you know, there was a lot of um, sweat and tears and laughter and all of the emotions back and forth. But, you know, we were really tough. And I I love that you're a playwright that admits how many drafts they've gone through because lots of people don't. And people think that things arrive completed. I mean, the most. Um, famous playwrights of our country nothing arrives done and and you make that play mm. it's a process it's pro- a process that can last years mm-hmm. of trial and error and workshops and you know how a playwright opens their heart and allows a, uh, a room a director in a room full of actors to go oh I don't want to say that line or how about that line it's a very mm. a vulnerable process and a very brave process and I think um, you know that was what i was so impressed by but the end like it was about um the drama and trying to keep it authentic as well and and um yeah we we did a lot of work we we did a lot of work and in that process of researching and
1: writing and drafting and redrafting was there anything that you felt had to be in was there something that no matter what had to stay in um you know what would what would (laughs) what was at the was there any sort of heart to this any sort of key um, there were, message or there were or tiny scenes.
2: things which we almost lost, which I fought for. Um, <laughs> um, in the what cl- were they? <laughs> <laughs> in, the, in the close of the play, um, um, Uncle Lese talks about, um, who's one of the characters, he talks about how um, John Lennon um, returned his MBE to the Queen when he discovered what Britain were doing during the war. And the dramaturg really wanted to, to take it out of the play because she thought it didn't matter. But I just thought um, it really did because it showed how someone who was, who was at the heart of like, the British arts community at the time was so appalled, he rejected the monarchy, said, Fuck no. Ah, oh, there we go. I thought I was, we we're trying not to swear and I just did it. <laughs> <Yeah. you know? laughs> so for me it was just little nuggets, but I thought it was a really cultural meeting, especially how huge he was in America and, and the the Biafrans were trying to get America to help, but they're too busy in Vietnam. And he was just so appalled, he thought, no. So it's just this little tiny thing, but for me it meant mm. so much. Especially being a fan of Jen Lennon's work as well. They're just thinking, wow, he just thought no, nah, this is this this is a line. This was crossed for me. I really want that. Yeah,
0: there. and I think lines like that, and you know, there's certain things that didn't stay, like the um, singing the Supremes and yes. stuff, <laughs> um, because we wanted it all, and there's things that have to go. But um, I just think it was really important that when we tell um, these stories, that that we realise that the British have skin in the game. You know, this isn't just a Nigerian story. This ha- the the repercussions of everything that happened. If we just scratch beneath the surface, it is about colonialization. And and, you know, it, it's so kind of exasperating and frightening that whenever you do a play which is based in Asia or I'm doing one now that's about Iran or um, Nigeria, you just scratch a little bit and then the British Empire is behind it. Mm-hmm. So so it's for for me, it was very important that whatever, whoever was sitting in the audience, whether it was a Nigerian person or an English person or whatever, that they it is a joint history. We're not mm. sitting here just watching something that has nothing to do with me if I'm English or a, a white English person. Or is you know it, we all share a world history, and the idea that we don't is ridiculous. Yeah. I think.
2: Yeah.
1: And I wonder if you could, um, I don't know if you would want to share with me what didn't make it in. Um, was, was there anything that, as the process went along, and I guess, because I imagine this would have taken a number of years yeah. to work yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, as time passes, and I guess also as the sort of climate, global climate shifts, mm-hmm. um, were there things that you thought, actually, no, this doesn't, this doesn't work anymore, or, or, you know, yeah, I don't know
2: yeah um or if even
1: in terms of your own relationship with the play and your own understanding as that develops was there anything yeah. that you thought this um, would
0: not you know it's it's an epic tale and it's quite long as it is mm. so there's things that always have to be cut that you you know that you love and are good in isolation but you know we have attention issues in this day and age and things do have to go for the greater good so you know there was always cutting and there was you know nice ideas that that went. But actually, I think the core of the story is there. Yeah,
2: it stayed. The- a, there was a little bit that got cut, um, <laughs> which hurt me, but it was good. And, and it was the tiny detail about Kwame Nkrumah. And um, when he was in the U.S., and after he published this book, which explained about neo-colonization, mm-hmm. what happened um, afterwards was that there was a coup, and he was removed from power. And it's just this little detail which um, completes the conversation, but it was just a beat too much in the argument between Oyeyo Chukwu and um, Lola. So little bits like that. We yeah. Just so to clip I think
0: Inua's thing is, you know, the intellectual ideas, and mine is very psychological. Even mm-hmm. though I'm obsessed with text, so for me, you know, it's about the affair that's about to happen. It's yeah. about the idea of what's the point of life. So, uh, but you've got to be really careful that you just don't uh, work on your affinity as a director, mm. that you work, you know, you. but you do end up, you know, poking at the thing that excites you the most about mm. the plays. But, so, but I think that's why it was a good collaboration yeah. Yeah. because um, we had psychological stuff and, you know, and and the history and hopefully a balance of it Ooh, yeah, you know yeah. mm. and Just to
1: pick up on that conversation around the psychology, I mean, that's something that, again, um, it's so important in thinking about war narratives is the kind of impact. So the war ends, but the psychological impact continues. And I wonder if you could speak about just how that strand was developed through the play, the sort of impact, psychological impact that the war has on the characters that we get to know and, and love in, in watching the play. Mm.
0: God, they make decisions, you know, when you've, there's one thing having a wish, and then there's have, and then, you know, when there's war around you, it's life and death. If you love someone, you're going to hold on to them and tell them, you know, even if it's not socially acceptable, you're going to, so there's, you know, it exposes your true self, and I think that was what was so useful about in this version, and I thought... You know, I thought Inua was incredibly brave because he didn't just do an adaptation of Three Sisters. It is Inua's own play, and Mm. that's why it's successful. I think the best adaptations are completely inspired by but are unapologetically a new version as Mm. well. And I think that's the thing, that 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 was the last um, leap, which is like, I'm going to write my my play now. Yeah. And um, sorry, I've forgotten the question. <laughs> <laughs> I was just, I mean, I, th- I think that was a
1: great answer, but yeah. I was just talking about the kind of the psychology of those characters as they develop across the... Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I think the it's the conflict, very
0: yeah. feminist as well, because, you know, these women are incredibly... Articulate, and you know, Lolo has these incredible intellectual arguments with real passion. And sometimes that character in the Chekhov always played in a very dour, one dimensional way, and she is not. She uh, still has you know, love and sexual fantasies and ideas and and in within the confines of their house, even though, you know, it's the 60s, uh, late 60s, early 70s, that they are free. So you see women really be their authentic selves in these three sisters yeah. and Abu Sede as well. And I just think that's really exciting yeah. to have um, them lead a scene and you know say what's what right to the end in some of those really tough intellectual arguments that Sarah Niles has um, at the end of act two and it's a long act and the way she delivers I mean um, she's incredible and the way she delivers a a, a long intellectual argument at the end of an act when everyone wants a we and a g and (laughs) d is is something else it's
2: quite when she stepped into I think um, her audition that was the bit she took like she didn 't take As any of the nice bits, she just took this is the dra- this is the dragon i 'm going to slay in front of you and she just went and it's it 's just one of my most um, I, I, I get sweaty when I see that scene when she just I just see all all the dials she 's spinning emotionally and intellectually it 's yeah, incredible yeah. but for me writing the Lola character chimed with my mother who worked for the Ministry of Education mm. when I was a kid in Nigeria, um, my sisters who i 'm just keep, even now my mother 's doing um, a degree in psychology. She's like 60s, you know, so she's still... So Lola just typifies all of that African deep femininity and feminism. And also in the play, she is the wisest and most, most powerful character. She understands the war conceptually, historically, politically, socially, emotionally, and she, she, she chooses to channel all of that through running the school. And then even that snatched away from the end. So for me, there is that longing, that echo that just lasts after which Nadia beautifully just choreographs into that end where there's just a vacuum that just. Oh, my
0: God. But I think it's worth talking about the company because yeah. they're an incredible company and, you know, of it's a proper ensemble piece mm. and, you know, they get less and less, you know, theatre sometimes wants just a famous person or just this is like there is no weak link. Everybody's doing what, you know, a proper ensemble company are supposed to do is like plug into each other and communicate with each other. And um, I think they're they're a very impressive company. And, um, you know, the WhatsApp group is something (laughs) else. It's at least 80 messages a day, yeah. usually about eating. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, but it's a very, very tight company, and you can see that love they have for each other when you watch it, which is also very thrilling.
1: Yeah. And in, in, the, in this process, what's been the most challenging dimensional aspect of of working on this play? I'm saying that because I think it's, it's quite different from... from I know what you've written before. Yeah.
2: From Barbershop Chronicles.
1: Yes. And, and from...
2: from um, for me, it was writing a play um, with this many characters and keeping all the plates spinning, mm-hmm. all the beats running, making sure the audience care about all of them, they have complete arcs. Um, it, was, it was really challenging for me um, to, to, to really honor Chekhov's characters and then steer them into Nigerian context and keep those beats going. And sometimes I had to collapse two of che- Chekhov characters into one and keep that going as well. So I think doing that really stretched me and pushed me um, um, as, as a writer. Yeah. Hmm.
1: Hmm. Did, were there any particular challenges?
0: I just think part? when you do a play with more than five people in it, it's, it uses a different Part of your brain it can be often be like herding cats (laughs) and um so you know to to focus and concentrate when there's everything to do lots of bodies in the room and live music and we're rewriting bits and you know everyone's excited so and you know want everybody wants the same thing we want a you know mind-blowing play but actually when there's so many brilliant people in the room and so many um, voices, it can be quite hard to focus and keep everyone on track when time is limited. Mm. So I think that is always a challenge, but it's my favorite thing to do, is to do the big plays, So, (laughs) so, you know. And with all
1: those voices in the room, what about the voice of Chekhov? To what degree was Chekhov's voice looming or were you able to sort of push Chekhov towards I didn't I wasn't thinking about Chekhov
0: I just we (laughs) you know bless him and bless it all I mean I have seen a hundred three sisters in my time Mm. and I'm a huge fan um and I saw a Russian there there was a couple of three sisters before our three sisters and I didn't want to see the one in English because I just thought it was just you know I didn't want it to get in the way of the process and the imagination but i did see the russian one and i felt i was very close to him and i felt i was very close to the in you know a lot of russian people in the audience they were really laughing Mm. and i thought oh okay (laughs) okay so we're actually more in sync than than we think but no we weren't you know he was probably there in spirit all the way through it was marinated and Chekhov but it wasn't we weren't you know Chekhov was not a policeman in the room no
2: I don't think so we
0: didn't have that burden no
2: I think we were aware of him and I was when I was writing but the closer I got to what I thought the play was saying um, I just kind of left him out Uh, but I think he was with us and I think he likes what we have done and I
0: say say so because he came um, in a dream
2: some yeah. Russian actors and, and actresses who grew up doing everything Chekhov yeah. have been tweeting me saying this is the best Three Sisters they've seen outside of Russia, um, and which, which means a lot because I thought, mm-hmm. okay, great. So, you know, I've, I've done him honor and they, they yeah. see the, the Russian humor come out and yeah, definitely so that m- made me relax.
0: I think okay, the Russian so. humor in some of the Nigerian humor is very similar yeah. actually. <laughs> it's that kind of dark humor. Mm. Um, yeah.
1: Because one of the things I was thinking about is the idea of sort of cultural translation and to an extent, did you see, do you see yourselves as trying to translate um, from kind of the Russian cultural context, i.e. the humour, into a sort of Nigerian slash British cultural context? Um, or did you feel like you had enough distance to not have to sort of... It just to doesn't to
0: work. I don't know about you, you know, mm-hmm. it doesn't work like that. Mm-hmm. You know, you just, you can't, you are who you are when you're making work and you just, ha- you can't pretend. Yeah. So it's not, it's not an intellectual exercise like that when you're, mm-hmm. when you're, when you're in the work, sh- when you're in the room. Mm-hmm. It just can't be, you know, you, I don't know. Do you I think, I mean,
2: I think I went through that process when I was writing. Yeah. Uh, the first time before, I read you know. it, um, Three Sisters, I thought, eh. Then second time I read it, I thought, oh, wow, Chekhov is really clever. Then the third time Mm -hmm. I read it, I thought, oh my God, these are all Nigerians. (laughs) And then then it became, okay, how can I write this to make it more Nigerian um, and create more air so that it does does work with the British audience? And that's so all the editing and the translation happened in my head before I wrote, whilst I was writing the first and second draft, et cetera. Then we just got closer and closer Mm -hmm. to that in the rehearsal rooms. Mm Yeah.
1: And I don't know if I'm allowed to ask this, uh,
2: so <laughs> well, tr-
1: but will, will this play go anywhere
0: else? Will it reach Nigeria? Do you have... Nigeria? Yeah. I was told that this play couldn't be on in Nigeria. Um, I think... Because it's controversial. I might yeah. be wrong. I don't know.
2: I think it because I, I just think about half of The Yellow Sun, yeah. the book, and when the film was made, it was banned in Nigeria. For that reason, I don't think we could do this on this scale with this much visibility in um, in Nigeria yet. Um, um, so I, I don't know. I don't know. The text is there. I'm more than happy for, for guys to take the script and put it on there. But they may need armed guards around them.
0: Yeah.
1: Thank you. Thank you both to Nadia and to Inuma. Can we give them a, a round of applause, please?